stand as we worship this morning.
hear these words from Psalm 63. You, God, are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory because your love is better than life. My lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live and in your name, I will lift my hands. I will be fully satisfied as with the richest of foods. With singing lips, my mouth will praise you. Let's worship together this morning. so hard to
Good morning, New Life Church. Today is an exciting day as we get to celebrate with the Martell family in the baptism of their son, James. And um, in baptism, yes, just like the song that we've sung, the blood of Jesus Christ and the promises that it all brings and has fulfilled, we were proclaiming that it's not only for us, but it's also for our children as well. And so at this time, I'd like to invite Corey, Alicia, Lennon, and James up to the stage. Baptism is the sign and seal of God's promises to his covenant people. And in baptism, God promises by grace alone to forgive our sins, to adopt us into the body of Christ of the church, to send the Holy Spirit to renew and cleanse us daily, and to resurrect us from death to eternal life. This promise is made visible in and through the water of baptism. From the beginning, God has graciously included included children in his covenant. And so we baptize children as a declaration of all of God's promises are for them as well as for us. Also, in baptizing them, the parents are committing themselves to teach their children that they have been set apart as God's own children so that as they grow older, they may respond to him in personal faith and commitment. And we do this together as a congregation, publicly celebrating with the family and presenting ourselves to God to be the community that that will love, encourage, and support this family to raise their children in the way of Jesus Christ. So let's move to the fount. (laughs) Corey and Alicia, as you're presenting James for baptism... You're claiming God's promises are true for him. I'll now be asking you some questions to respond to God's grace with the hope that James too will respond to God's grace and claim the promises to be his own one day. So here are the questions. Do you profess your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and affirm the promises of God made to you and your children in his word? Secondly, Do you promise, in reliance on the Holy Spirit and with the help of the Christian community, to do all in your power to instruct James in the truth of God's word and in the way of salvation through Jesus Christ? And thirdly, do you promise to pray for him and to teach him to pray, to train him in the way of Christ by your example through worship and service in the church? What is your answer? Now, James is the middle name of both his dad and paternal grandfather. And John, his middle name, is after his maternal grandfather. So James John Martell. Here's what I found in searching for the name, meaning of both names. James is a variation of the Hebrew name Jacob, which means one who holds the heel. Because, as you remember, Jacob was holding his brother Esau's heel when he was born. It also has the meaning of supplanter and protector. John is also originally from the Hebrew Yohanan, which means God is gracious. And so heel holder, supplanter, protector, 
and gracious. And so in connection to the meaning of the, the, this na- these names, I would like to share this verse from Jeremiah 31 with you to bless James. Hear the word of the Lord, you nations. Proclaim it in distant coastlands. He who scattered Israel will gather them and will watch over his flock like a shepherd. For the Lord will deliver Jacob and redeem them from the hand of those stronger than they. They will come and shout for joy on the heights of Zion. They will rejoice in the bounty of the Lord, the grain, the new wine, and the olive oil, the young of the flocks and herds. They will be like a well-watered garden, and they will sorrow no more. May God watch over James as his shepherd. May he deliver and redeem James from the hand of those stronger than him. And may James be like a well-watered garden, rejoicing in the abundant blessing from the Lord all the days of his life. James John Martel For you, Jesus Christ, came into the world. For he has died, and for you, he conquered death. All this he did for you, little one. Though you know nothing of it as yet, we love because God first loved us. And so now, I baptize you (laughs) in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And at this time, I ask you, the congregation, to respond to God's grace as community. Do you promise to love, encourage, and support this family by teaching the gospel of God's love, by being an example of Christian faith and character, and by giving the strong support of God's family in fellowship, prayer, and service, what is your answer? Amen. Now I'd like to invite the rest of the family up to pray for this family. Would you like to come to the center? And family, come on up, and we'll surround them, and we'll pray for them. congregation, please extend your hand towards this family as we pray for them as well. Let's pray together. Gracious God, we thank you that you cleanse and renew your children through your grace alone. Bless and strengthen James daily with the gift of your Holy Spirit. Unfold to him the riches of your love, deepening his faith, keeping him from the power of evil and enabling him to live a holy and blameless life until your kingdom comes. Look with kindness upon Corey and Alicia. Let them ever rejoice in the gifts you have given them. Grant them the presence of your Holy Spirit that they may bring up Lenin and James to know you, to love you, and to serve you. Amen.
Welcome to New Life Church. My name is Janet Hitchcock and I am your host this morning. So it was wonderful to see a little uh, James John being baptized and the whole family there. But we now want all the other children to come up to the front. So if you're three to five years old or you're in grades one to five, please come and take a seat on the front step. And this time there's room for you. We don't have big letters and we don't have food, so there's plenty of room for you all. So come on down, and then we'd like your leaders to come down with you so that we can pray for them too. So please extend a hand over these kids as we uh, pray a blessing on them and their leaders. Lord, we thank you for the gift of all these children, what you, they, how important they are in their families, how much you love them. And we pray that we can continue to bring them closer to you through the ministry that we offer here. We thank you for Kids Church. We thank you for Little Lights and the people who lead them down there. And we ask, Lord, today that you will bless the leaders and you will bless the children as they learn more about you and the wonderful love you have for them. We ask this in your name. Amen. Okay, so which way do the little ones go? Who knows? Which way do little lights? Oh, little lights go that way. Okay, and so that means kids' church go... What a lot of little lights. We are so happy that you're with us here today. Now, if you are a guest, we ask that you fill out one of the Connect cards, which you'll find in the seat pocket in front of you. And you can take it to the info booth, which is out in the lobby, and you will receive a gift. But also, more important to us, we will be able to stay connected with you. And if you're online this morning, we welcome you and we encourage you to comment and interact with others online. So what's happening in the next few weeks? Well, there's a women's retreat. So this is op the registration is open now. So guys, sign up your wives so that you get a weekend of freedom. You can register, are you listening? You register at newlifecrc.ca forward slash events. It's going to be a great time. It's at Stillwood Retreat Center from November 24th to 26th. 
And the theme of the weekend is immeasurably more. And it's based on Ephesians 3, 20 to 21. Also, we have a craft fair coming up, a Christmas craft fair. And that will be on November 3rd and 4th. It'll be happening here. And it's to fundraise for this women's retreat. And there'll be lots of different vendors. If you came out last year, you'll remember what it was like. And it was really good. And it was quite a busy sort of place. And, you know, the lobby was totally transformed into a sort of fair and all these different people selling things, beautiful things. So there'll be more things like crafts, crafts like candles, wood signs, art, pottery, maybe things to eat as well. And it will be hosted at New Life from 5 to 9 on Friday and 9 to 1 on Saturday, November the 3rd and 4th. So come out and support the women's ministry and you can get some Christmas shopping done. And if you want to know more, you check out our website. Now, Hope for Cora is one of our mission partners, and they have a special video announcement, so please take a look. My name is Eve Paul. I'm the Executive Director for Hope for Cora, and I would like to invite you to an evening for Cora on October 28th. Every year, we come together to support the impoverished people of Kora, Ethiopia. I was there once again this summer, and the harsh reality on the ground is compelling. There is much pain and struggle, as Kora is home to many destitute people who face hunger, illness, and rejection. And yet there's also hope, as many people are being empowered and lives are being changed. Hope for Cora's mission is to break the cycle of extreme poverty, to offer hope and a better future to the vulnerable children and families living in Cora. This year, we will be gathering once again, both online and in person, at the beautiful Clarion Hotel in Abbotsford, British Columbia. It is always encouraging to be with so many supporters who stand with Cora and who live across Canada, the U.S., and other countries around the world. Over these last few years, I've been attending an evening for Cora online from here in Ethiopia. But this year, I'll be attending in person in Abbotsford, Canada. I'm very excited to share with you all new stories and firsthand accounts, both the needs and the incredible accomplishments that we've been experiencing from here on the ground. I look forward to seeing you all on Saturday, October 28th. It will be a meaningful evening filled with stories of hope and transformation. Join us online at no cost or purchase in-person tickets at hopeforcora.org. We all will be attending this year online. This evening is special and meaningful for all of us, but especially for those who live in Cora, because everything that we do on that night is making an incredible impact in the lives of many. We all look forward to seeing you there. See you there. This special event is crucial in raising much-needed funds for the upcoming year and for the many areas of holistic care that Hope for Cora provides. Whether you come with a little or a lot to give, whether this is your first time or you've been with us many times before, we hope that you will join us and be inspired by what God is doing in the lives of those living in Cora.
So after the service, you can go and chat with Eve, and you know what she looks like now if you didn't know before, and she'll be in the foyer, and you can learn more about this wonderful event. And she'll have tickets that you can uh, buy that are available today and also next Sunday. Okay, so today we're going to be taking an offering for the Benevolent Fund. Don't get confused, usually I do it Mission Sunday, but things got switched around. So it's Benevolent Fund today. And this fund is administered by our deacons and it helps those in the community who have physical and financial need. And it also supports families with Christian school tuition. So you can give your offering electronically in the ways listed on the screen. Right, there, it's up there. I'm, I've got eyes in the back of my head. That's from my teaching days. Um, <laughs> or you can bring it to one of the offering boxes which are at both sides at the front during the fellowship time. We also have tokens available for giving. And if this is something that you're interested in for you or your child, please check our encourager for more, for more details. As we pray for the offering, we're also going to be praying for the Alkirk family and the passing of Johanna Alkirk, who's the mother of Diana, the grandmother to Melinda and Patrick Backer, and great-grandmother to Isaac Amira and Naomi. She was dearly loved and will be missed by the family and the memorial services for her are being held on Monday at Living Hope. So we'll remember them as we also pray for our benevolent fund. Let's join in prayer together. Lord, we thank you for what we have been able to join in this week's, this service so far, for the time of worship when we could just sing praises to you for the baptism where we see and rejoice in new life. We also want to bring to you this, uh, the family, the Alkirk family, as they're looking to this service of memorial tomorrow. We pray for them that your love will surround them and uphold them as they rejoice in in the life and the memories of Joanna, but also grieve. Just uphold them in your arms. We thank you, too, that we can bring offerings to you, knowing that they will be used to bless others. We think of those who are in need in our community, and we pray that we'll be able to reach out and support them. And we also think of the people we just saw in the video for Hope for Cora, where there is great need. Help us to respond to that too in your love. We ask these things in your name. Amen. So now we have our fellowship time. We have a three-minute fellowship time, and we encourage you to meet someone new. Uh, you can give your offering at that time. You can get coffee. If you need an icebreaker question to ask one of your neighbors, if you were here last week, you can say, were you inspired by the At The Table series, and have you invited someone for lunch or supper or something like that? Thanks for having me.
Okay, grab your coffee and uh, find your seat back again. It's... All right. <coughs> okay. I suppose it's hard to get attention now, but I've asked that you already kind of end up the conversation and you can find a seat and be seated. All right, we are about to begin our teaching today. So I'd like to ask that you find your seat and uh, Make sure that you got the correct table number and get seated. I suppose part of the problem of getting people together today is because we named this series at the table. And so you are imagining yourself at a dining table or dinner time or at a, some kind of fundraiser and uh, still making your way back uh, to your seat. But thank you. Good morning, everyone. Morning, New Life Church. It's me again. I'm Chow Ling Wee. I'm Chow Ling Wee. I'm, the, uh, I'm an itinerant pre, uh, pastor, or what some church denominations would call a pastor at large. Thankfully, it's not a criminal at large. And I want to say, first of all, I'm very sorry that you will probably be seeing me a few more times in the next two months. And that's because Pastor Nathan is on sabbatical. But I promise you, this agony will be over soon. <laughs> I want to begin this morning by leading congregation in prayer. And a particular... Um, focus in my prayer this morning or in our prayer hope together is to pray for the land of Israel and all the people that live in that land. War is never a pretty thing. In fact, it's brutal. It's devastating. It is something that no one 
would want to see. And there are Christians right at this time who are divided of how to pray for this situation. I know even a few churches who refrain totally from praying on a Sunday service. And that's because they do not want to get into this situation of controversy, of division, of all this political dispute. But as believers in the Bible, we are called to pray. Pray unceasingly, pray in all circumstances. We do not, and I say that again, we do not and we must not take sides. But we can definitely lift out the families of those who have lost innocent lives. Pray for those in suffering. Pray for those who are going through this devastation that no one, none of us want to see. And so with a very heavy heart, I'd like to lead us in prayer and also in preparation for the teaching this morning. Let us pray. Lord God, you are sovereign. You are loving. You are the Almighty who created the heavens and the earth. It must have grieved you so much to see so many lives that have been lost and killed, and perhaps many more in the coming days and weeks and whatever time. We want to lift up this land of Israel, the, on all the people who live in that land, especially for those who have lost their loved ones, especially those who are, whose lives are under serious threat. We pray for your mercy to be upon this land for these people, both the, the Jews and the Palestinians, and even lots of other people who live there who are not citizens but happen to be trapped in that country at this time. Lord, we pray that your sovereignty continue to rule and that we in our feeble self will look up to you. Trusting Lord, even though we do not fully understand, but trusting Lord that you will continue to rule over this land and over all of us. We sovereignly and humbly submit ourselves before you and pray for your shalom, your, your mercy, your love to be on all the people that live in that land. And now as we turn to your word, we pray, O oh Father, that you minister to us just as you have already ministered to us to the time of worship, the time of prayer, the time of fellowship, the time of witnessing the baptism. And, and now in the teaching and hearing of your word, we pray for 
your Holy Spirit's anointing to open not just our ears, but to open our eyes, the eyes of our hearts, Lord, that may we hold wondrous things out of your law. Lord, we want to place our sin at the foot of the cross and ask that the precious blood of Jesus will wash us and renew us once again so that we can come before you and call you Abba, Father, and continue to lean upon your love, your mercy, and your grace all the days of our lives. And now may the words of my mouth the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable to you, O God, our strength and our Redeemer, in whose name we pray. Amen. If you have a Bible, I'd like you to turn to Luke chapter 7, verses 36 to 50, and I will read to you now from the NIV version. And now one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, and so he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. When a woman who had lived a sinful life in that town learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster jar of perfume, and as she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man, referring to Jesus, if this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two men owe money to a certain money lender. One owe him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them can or had the money to repay him. So he cancelled the debts of both. Now which of them will, him, will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one with a bigger debt cancelled. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned towards the woman and he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not, kissing my, has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, for she loved much. But he who has forgiven little, loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Pastor Bruce gave us an introduction last week on this new series of sermons called At the Table. Essentially, it's a series of eight sermons focuses on hospitality as the theme. The Bible text in each week revolves around a meal that our Lord Jesus shared 
with either his disciples or when he was invited, like in this instant, as a guest to a banquet hosted by Jewish leaders or his friends. Through these eight events, it is hoped that we will have a better and clearer understanding of what hospitality is. So what is hospitality? And how can we as Christians be hospitable? But let me first begin by stating some misgivings about the understanding of hospitality. I will just simply mention two this morning. First, I do not have the gift of hospitality. And second, I don't have a big enough house to extend hospitality. So let's deal with the first one. I don't have the gift of hospitality. I want to begin with a question. Is hospitality a gift that only some people possess? Instead of me answering the question, I'd like to refer to a few Bible verses that talks about hospitality. Romans 12, 13 says, Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. The words of the Apostle Paul. And the Apostle Peter wrote in 1 Peter 4, 9, he says, Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. Brothers and sisters, there is nothing in the Bible to suggest that hospitality is a gift. Some people even call it a spiritual gift. No, it is not mentioned in the Bible. On the contrary, we are told to practice hospitality. And this is why I entitled this morning's sermon, Practice Hospitality. The Apostle Peter further suggested we are to show hospitality without grumbling. Our Lord Jesus forewarns us in Matthew 25, verse 40. He says, The king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these brothers, you did it to me. Referring, at the time Jesus was referring to, the food and water and clothes to those in need. And that includes giving out those things to strangers. Showing hospitality is not about a place. It is about doing something for people around them or around us. Providing them with care, love, and concern. Simply put, we should regard hospitality the way Nike company promotes in their company motto. Just do it. Second, people say, I've heard that, I don't have enough, a big enough house to provide hospitality. So what is the definition of hospitality? It is the friendly and generous reception and entertainment of guests, visitors, or strangers. It is 
the friendly and generous reception and entertainment of guests, we, are, we know that. With friends, okay. With visitors, all right. But also strangers. In other words, hospitality is not confining to just having guests in your house. We can be hospitable by the way you treat people. Your attitude towards those around you, including strangers, and how well you make them comfortable. Let us look at the text today in Luke 7, and I have three divisions uh, to share briefly on this text. First, 36 to 39, showmanship and separation from sinners by the Pharisee. Verses 40 to 47, sacrifice showed by the sinful woman. And thirdly, salvation through faith in Jesus brings about forgiveness. So let's go to the first division, showmanship and separation from sinners by the Pharisee. How was it that this sinful woman could appear at a banquet hosted by a Pharisee? And why would the Pharisee invite Jesus to his home for dinner? First, showmanship by Pharisee Simon. Now, before this event, Jesus was going around from place to place, teaching and proclaiming God's love and salvation in synagogues and in different villages. Pharisee Simon must by now have heard that Jesus was a great prophet. And so he wanted to show hospitality to Jesus, but with a wrong motive. His real intent was more to show off his wealth and how generous he was. Even though Simon opposed Jesus, yet Jesus accepted the invitation for dinner. Jesus would never miss out any opportunity where he can proclaim God's message of love and salvation. As Jesus was a public figure in the Middle Eastern culture of the day, the door into Simon's house was left open so that other people who are not invited to the dinner could get into the house. But they, can only, they could only be sitting around the ages or standing around the ages of the house. And why do they do that? Because when a Pharisee host, hosted a dinner, usually there will be a discussion over the dinner table. So these people, villagers or, or, or people who are just interested, who are not invited to the banquet, would come in, stood by the side of the room to listen to the conversation. This explains why this sinful woman was able to get into Simon's house. But Simon wasn't sincere when he invited Jesus for dinner. It was not true hospitality, but a means of showing off his wealth and his generosity. Second, separation from sinful woman. Besides having the wrong motive in showing hospitality, Simon had a bad attitude towards this sinful woman. In verse 39, seeing that this 
sinful woman used expensive jar of perfume to anoint Jesus and wiping tears off Jesus' feet. Simon said to himself, he wasn't talking aloud, he was just in his mind. He said, if this man, referring to Jesus, if he was really a prophet, then he ought to know who is touching him. And of course, he should not allow this kind of woman. And what kind of woman was Simon talking about? He says, she is a sinner. Clearly, Simon wanted to separate himself from this sinful woman and thought that Jesus, being a prophet, should do the same. But is this how we show love and concern for those around us? Especially those whom our society consider as terrible sinners. Jesus chose not to separate from this sinful woman. But before that, he chose not to separate himself from the Pharisee who had opposed him when he was invited for dinner. He also chose not to separate himself from this sinful woman that was despised by her community and society of the day. Brothers and sisters, friends, what is your attitude towards people around you who need help? Do you display the kind of selective hospitality that Pharisee Simon has showed us? Showing off his wealth while separating himself from someone whom he considered as a greater sinner. Let's look at the second division. Sacrifice showed by this sinful woman, verses 40 to 47. The sin of this woman was not identified, but we can infer from reading the text that she was involved in some immoral activities and lifestyle that were largely despised by those around her. Yet her boldness to anoint Jesus' uh, uh, feet and, 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 and coming in to anoint Jesus with an expensive jar of perfume must have shocked everyone in that banquet room that day. This sinful woman's actions reflect three things. One, cost. It was a costly sacrifice as, her, as a jar of expensive perfume such as nard or myrrh would have been around 300 denarii at the time, which roughly is equivalent to a year's wages of an average person. It was costly. Secondly, courage. She was an outcast in a society. So coming into a crowded banquet room would certainly invite condemnation from many in the audience. And what if, and what if Jesus refused and rejected her to let her touch him. So it was without a doubt that this woman had the courage to overcome all the fears and judgmental eyes of those around her. And that courage 
That courage could only be possible because she believed that Jesus was the true Messiah and Savior of her life. The third contriction. She wept. She wept when she anointed Jesus. And those tears were tears of a contrite heart of a repentant sinner. Do you weep over your sins? There are many times, and I say this experientially, I realized that the older I get, the more easily I cried. I used to be, in my younger days, thought to be a very strong person. And in a Chinese culture, Men don't cry. We suck it up. But I realize that this is not true as I get older. And you know what? The more as a Christian, the more I am in following Jesus, the more sinful I realize of myself. And I wept. Psalm 51 verse 17 says, The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. Oh God, you will not despise. I trust and I pray that all of us would have this attitude towards God. Allow God to break us, make us humble, come before Him with a broken and contrite heart, like this sinful woman. You know, even though this Pharisee Simon did not speak out his thoughts. Jesus knew his heart. And, and, then, and so he answered Simon with a parable. He said there are two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and one owed 50. And, but when the, when, when the creditor knew that both could not repay, he decided to forgive both their debts. And then he asked Simon this, who do you think will love him more, the creditor more? And Simon obviously been a smart aleck, says, I suppose the one with a bigger depth. You know, interestingly, the word depth comes from the Aramaic word choba. Choba. Choba can be translated as depths or sins. I think we are missing the slide. Thank you. Choba is the word that means can be translated either as depths or sins. So not only Janet has eyes on the back, me too. <laughs> so this word is either translated as depths or sin. And so Simon the Pharisee, he was an intelligent man, so he quickly understood that when Jesus was using these two depths to refer to the sinful woman with a bigger depth and himself with a lesser or little depth. A person who owes much is certainly far more grateful than the one who owes little or less. So this sinful woman knew and acknowledged that her sins were great and hence she had much gratitude as well. Simon, on the other hand, thought of himself as a lesser sinner and therefore would be less grateful for the forgiven debt or sin. But really, was Simon 
a lesser sinner? Do we sometimes compare ourselves with those around us? And I'm talking about Christians around us. Thinking that we have less sins and therefore more deserving of God's grace, God's love, and God's mercy. This sinful woman showed her hospitality towards Jesus by generously giving up a jar of very expensive perfume to express her heartfelt gratitude to Jesus and to God for the sins, for her forgiven sins. Would we express our gratitude to God the way this sinful woman did by being generous and hospitable to those around us, especially those who are in dire need? The third division Verses 48 to 50, salvation through, through faith in Jesus brings about forgiveness. Jesus said to this sinful woman, your sins are forgiven. This is not because this woman has given her a prized possession. Rather, it was because of what Jesus said in verse 50. Jesus said to her, your faith has saved you. We are saved. Because our faith in Jesus, our faith in God, through Jesus Christ our Lord. And because we are saved, our sins are forgiven. It was an outrageous kind of faith of this, this sinful woman. For her to become a follower of Christ, it called for a radical change in her life. It was an outrageous kind of faith to say the least. There are three things that clearly stood out in this woman's faith. One, convicted her of her sins. She realized how great a sinner she was. She was convicted of her sins. Are you convicted of your sins? Am I convicted of my sins? People around us can put whatever judgment, but you and I know in the bottom of our hearts, we are a sinner, a great sinner. Cause her to be broken. Only true repentance can cause one to be broken. It is not kind of crocodile tears that you come and then you kind of mournful a little bit and then go back to your sin again. No, it is a broken heart. It is a repentant heart. Compel her to be courageous. To approach Jesus, regardless of the despised eyes and condemnation of those around her. Beloved, that's outrageous faith. And that's what God calls us to have. To have radical changes in our lives. To make the bold step of following Christ, regardless of our life circumstances. This is the reason why this woman was bold enough to go to Jesus regardless of what public opinions might have thought otherwise. Her outrageous faith in Christ broke through all barriers. 
and societal norm, norms, knowing that only through Christ can her sins be cleansed and forgiven. For that, she had been transformed to be a new creation in Christ, to be a wholesome person, fully cleansed and forgiven. And this was the reason why Jesus said to her in verse 50, he says, go in peace. The word peace in Hebrew is shalom. We all know that. And shalom is not just peace alone, but the wholesomeness and completeness of oneself. Only those who are in Christ can experience God's shalom. Be complete and wholesome. Lessons learned. What can we learn from the three main characters in this narrative? Let's look at each one of them. First, past records of an individual determine how Pharisee Simon would show his hospitality. Simon chose to dwell on the sinful woman's past records and hence chose not to show her any care or concern. Does it sound familiar to some of us? We look at a person's past records before we decide or not to show love and concern. In fact, Simon even thought that this woman should not even have a place in society and despised Jesus for allowing her to touch him. Beloved, this is the kind of hospitality that Jesus rejects. How do we show love and concern? Growing up as a young Christian, it is easy for us, years back when I was looking back, to show love to people who are lovable, to show love to people who are nice, who are kind. But it's a challenge to love people who irritate us, people who get on our nerves. I remember as a um, young leader in my church, there was some 40, 35, 40 years ago. I used to counsel one young man, uh, about two years younger than me, and he would be what I call someone who can get on your nerves quite easily. He would talk and tell you all kinds of things. You really do not need training as a counselor because you just don't have a chance to talk. You just listen to him. And he has a habit, a habit that is not always a good thing. He would like to call me, say, around midnight and say, Hey, Jolene, what are you doing? I look at the time and say, it's midnight. I mean, what am I doing? And say, hey, let's go for a drink. Let's go and eat something. In Singapore, where I come from, having a, a supper, not dinner, but supper. It's a snack or a small meal at the late night. We call it a supper. Hey, let's go for supper. Midnight? Supper? 
No, I was really in my pajamas. But I'm really downstairs. <laughs> it, you know, it is hard to try to love somebody who get on your nerves or who try to put you on the edge kind of thing. Think for a moment. You have some people like in your life? Oh, yeah. If you're old enough like me, you will have plenty, right? Do we cherry pick who we show love and concern? Do we selectively practice hospitality to only those who are lovable, those who are pleasant, those who are beautiful? Or do we practice hospitality based on what the Bible teaches us? The Pharisee that we see here look at the woman's past and place a judgment to separate himself from her. This is not the kind of hospitality that Jesus wants. And this is the kind of hospitality that he rejects. Second, the present sinful conditions. This refers to the sinful woman. The present sinful condition causes woman to repent. She wept over her wrongdoings. Humble herself, acknowledge her sins, and mournful into repentance. As a result of her forgiven sins, she expressed her gratitude in the most generous and hospitable way to Jesus. While Simon did not offer Jesus any water, this woman wet Jesus' feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. Simon did not offer Jesus any kiss. But from the time Jesus entered the house, she did not stop kissing his feet. Simon did not put oil on Jesus' head, but this woman poured perfume, expensive perfume on his feet. This woman was most hospitable toward Jesus than any person in the banquet room that day. Her actions shows us three things. Grace, generosity, and gratitude. Grace, the thing that she received from the Lord, the more she wanted to give. How is that? I remember the Bible that tells us that a cup runneth over. Do you know that Jesus, God filled our cup all the time? So I love this idea of being runneth over. means it, it keeps filling up. Again, coming from Singapore, we do not have this concept like what in North America, most fast food restaurants or even some family restaurants do. And that is, when you order a soda, it's free throw. Oh, free throw. So for many years when I first immigrated to Canada, I failed to understand, if it's free throw, why does a restaurant offer to you large, medium, small? <laughs> have you thought about that? If it's free flow, means I can have it all the time. So why do I pay a quarter more for medium, another quarter more for large? But then I realized the whole idea is about how you see yourself. You know how much you need. And they say, I only need a small. Or I'm very thirsty, I need a large. So it's not about the price, it's about the attitude. So the same thing here. 
the grace that this woman received, the more she wants to give back. I love that. Generosity. She was certainly not rich, but chose to give up her prized possession in showing her gratitude. And that's the third point. Gratitude in expressing them even through her years, through her tears, I beg your pardon, wiping and kissing the feet of Jesus. This is the kind of hospitality that our Lord Jesus desires of us. And the third point focuses on Jesus. Not looking at the past, nor the present. Jesus looked at the potential in each one of us. The potential that love and forgiveness possess for changing a person's heart. Jesus does not want us to dwell on our past. Once forgiven, he wants us to move on. There may be other people like the Pharisee Simon who choose to dwell in the past of this sinful woman. The Bible assures that once we have acknowledged our sins, we have confessed them, God forgives. And we should move on. He forgave us as the Bible promises us and He cleansed us from all unrighteousness. Hebrews 8.12 says, For I will be merciful toward their iniquities and I will remember their sins no more. God remember our sins no more. I want to say this very clearly. Some people interpret this verse and say, forgive and forget. No, if God is God, God can never forget. But when God forgave, He chose not to remember our sins anymore. And that is great. He just wants us to move on. Jesus wants to focus on the potential of each one of us and see how love and forgiveness can change the heart of that person. And that's me. And that's you. And show how in turn we can share the same love and forgiveness that we have experienced. How? By being hospitable to others, caring, offering the friendliest and most generous reception to those around us, including visitors and strangers. Beloved, let us adhere to the teachings of the Bible. Share with people who I need. Practice hospitality. We can start by doing this in our church, in our neighborhood, in our community. Amen. Let us pray. Lord, we ask that your word would take roots in our hearts and not return unto you void. But Lord, help us. Draw us closer to you. Help us to be bold and courageous. Help us to humble ourselves. And most importantly, to be hospitable to those around us. We really do not have to spend a lot of money practicing hospitality. But a broad smile, a warm embrace, and words of encouragement would go a long way in showing hospitality. So be with us as we go forth with your, with your might 
with the power. For Jesus' sake, amen. Please stand as we respond in worship.
you'll be dismissed after the benediction. But if there are those who like to have prayer, I'll be right here in front. And if there are church elders and leaders who want to be up here as well to pray for people, please feel free to do that. And now, received the benediction from our Lord. To him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy, to the only God our Savior, be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen.